I got a call around that time from an assistant asking to meet. And I had assumed that it was about this movie for some reason because of the timing. It was like a very frantic message for Greta. You know, oh my gosh, are you confirmed or not? And then I realized that the message was for Greta Gerwig. <laughs> and oh, for me. oh, no. Totally different. It could not be clear that wasn't my job. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Awardist, where we are chatting with the actors, creators, and more who are contenders this year and breaking down the state of the 2024 Oscars race. I'm Entertainment Weekly Executive Editor Jared Hall. Uh, first of all, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Uh, secondly, Joey Nolfi is off again this week, but joining me is EW Editor-in-Chief Patrick Gomez. Hey, Patrick, how are you on this fine fall day? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Thanksgiving is traditionally my favorite holiday of the year, so it's a great time of year. Oh, uh, so I've been uh, I've been uh, feeling good about it uh, all uh, month. Nice. Is that because you're like a big fan of turkey and gravy and mashed potatoes? Like, what's what's the root of your love of Thanksgiving? Uh, I I like Thanksgiving because I feel like a lot of other holidays are usually only friends or family. And I, I find uh, yeah. at least personally that Thanksgiving is one that I find ways to celebrate with both, um, which is uh, really cool. I also love Thanksgiving because, yes, I do love Thanksgiving. Like if I was uh, offered one last meal, um, it would either be <laughs> um, breakfast of some sort or but probably most likely like a Thanksgiving. Anytime I'm at a restaurant and there's a Thanksgiving dinner on the menu, like that's what I'm getting. Oh, that's good to know. All right. All right. Yeah, I'm I mean, just give me all of like the the side dishes, honestly, the sides and the pumpkin pie, apple pie, pecan pie. I'm here for all of it. Um, you lose me at pecan pie, but we know that. how I am. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You you shouldn't eat that with that little allergy. But uh, uh, well, yeah. allergies aside, exactly. I've just never even growing up before I had it. Uh, pecan pie, which is huge in Texas where I'm from. Not. Yeah. But <laughs> what if it was a chocolate pecan pie? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. There was oh. just something about pecans in general that I'm just not. A You're also of. not like a big chocolate lover either, are you? Yeah, that's true. So I love brownies, oh, though. Man, so. <laughs> I tried. Oh, all right. Well, I, I tried to turn you on to the pecan pie. It didn't work. So welcome to um, our food podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, the awardist eats. Um, also, well, with this holiday weekend upon us, uh, plans to catch up on any like movies or TV shows? Yes, so much. I've been traveling, uh, for the past like week and a half and the amount of things that have collected on, and I will say I've not cut the cords <laughs> on my DVR, um, are very strong. And, um, I've been receiving, uh, a ton of screeners in the mail of things that I can't wait to dive into. Um, but thankfully have like been able to like work ahead a little bit. So I haven't missed too, too much. Um, but definitely a lot to check off the list. Um, and I also am married to someone that, uh, insists on seeing things in a movie theater if they, if they are even going to be in there for one weekend. Um, so, Fair. uh, there's, there's a lot, not just to watch at home, uh, but also to go to the theaters. He's like, we've got to, we've got to block off like basically all of Sunday. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> easy, easy, done. Yeah. I, um, I have a couple friends who, uh, 
surprised me, actually, with their desire to see Saltburn. So I'm actually, I think, now going to see it for the fourth time. This time I will be paying for it. The previous times have been all part of, uh, you know, press screenings and stuff. Um, and yeah, same. So many various screenings to catch up on. I'm now getting screeners, by the way, for movies that are opening in 2024. Uh, which is a little like hard to wrap my head around right now, but uh, it's fine. We'll do it because um, by the way, 2024 is only like five weeks away. Um, I can't believe I just said that, but, but yes, um, I'm also squeezing in salt burn before a friend's giving on Saturday. So, (laughs) Ooh, yes. I cannot wait to hear what you think. Um, by the way, another movie that I highly encourage folks to check out is, uh, this upcoming week because you hopefully have some downtime is the movie past lives, which opened in June. It star Greta Lee is our guest today. Uh, so be sure to stick around for that conversation. People might know her from, uh, I mean, gosh, many things. Um, but among them, perhaps best known for Russian Doll or The Morning Show, which, by the way, she was uh, had some phenomenal stuff on season three of The Morning Show that just wrapped recently. Um, but with Past Life, she is like firmly in leading lady status, uh, which is something that she told me she was not actually sure was in the cards for her career because she is an Asian woman. And uh, when we were having that conversation, I, I, I really like I was hearing what she was saying And then I just got my brain. I felt like stuck right there when she was saying that. And I I kind of like stopped listening to her for a few seconds after that because I was just comprehending kind of the gravity of what she was saying, that she never felt like a movie like Past Lives was in the cards for her, Um, which is um, sadly not as shocking of a sentiment as as you would hope it would be, (laughs) you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. you know, there's so much. I even think of my own be, being uh, Latino. Like, I think growing up, like, there was no, especially being gay and Latino, there was no one that I could look to um, that was at least openly gay. Now there's a bunch of examples. That I'm like, oh, yeah, duh. Um, but uh, so unfortunately, that's I, I, I'm not surprised at all. The, the great thing, though, is that there is a, a world in which uh, we get two Asian uh, Best Actress winners um, in a row. Like that, and so that's a fantastic way to look at it. Yeah. Is like, yes, that may have not been the case growing, up, but we we may there's a there's a possibility that that is what happens, and that is um, exciting to think about. Um, just the fact that we could jump from uh that in her childhood to this being a possible reality now uh you know we could sustain if that will be sustained um we'll see that's always the the struggle when there's moments of major representation is that they often are followed by long periods of time of people saying well you know they had that one um so (laughs) so we'll see uh but you know it is interesting Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't Always think anyone a wild means it facetiously, <laughs> but but uh, it just ends up being that like that right, that, that right, sort right. of sentiment can come out, uh, and that's tough. But um, it's one of the things that makes talking about award shows like the Oscars, in particular, I think more so than most other award shows, all of that comes into play because people have been paying such close attention to it over the years. Um, and I think that there's a, because it's often the last one in the, in the award season, um, I think there's been a lot of opportunity to comment on where other shows have gone right or wrong or what the trend is and will, uh, the Oscars continue it. It it just, it opens itself up because of the timing to a lot more conversation about, um, about, 
Oscar so white or like is if a certain project is getting a lot of um, uh, headwind or or uh, you know really have rallying people rallying behind it. So it's it'll be interesting to see um, see how it plays out for Greta. But I'm wishing the best for. Yeah, of course. I I mean, and she's she's so fantastic in this film, where which is just. Um, I recently for a story I wrote, uh, I believe called it heartbreaking and life affirming all at the same time. Uh, her, her performance, which is, uh, kind of spread out over her character. We see over the course of basically 24 years when she's a child and then 12 years later as a college student. And then another 12 years later when she's married and looking back on, uh, a, a, a very close friendship, um, and, kind of wondering, you know, those kind of what ifs and, you know, if I had gone different directions with my life, uh, you know, how, how, or if I'd made different decisions, how my life would be different. Um, and ultimately, uh, well, I don't want to say what she ends up deciding for herself. Um, but it's, it's just a really beautiful and poignant story, um, that I think, even if you're not an immigrant like her character in the story, there are there are people from our lives that we've perhaps lost touch with and wonder, like, I wonder where they are now. Um, and, you know, I, I wish I had kept in touch with certain people. Um, so there's something to relate to in, in all of those regards. And so I I could not recommend this film more. Um, she, by the way, I I so, so hope that she is one of those five uh, Best Actress nominees at the Oscars. But, Patrick, we got to talk for a second about how loaded that category is this year, because there's about a dozen women who are really in serious contention for those five slots, along with Greta. Uh, there's and this is in no particular order. Emma Stone for Poor Things, Margot Robbie for Barbie, Sandra Ulla for Anatomy of a Fall, Natalie Portman in May-December, Lily Gladstone in Killers of the Flower Moon, Kaylee Spaney in Priscilla, Carrie Mulligan in Maestro, Ingenue Ellis-Taylor in Origin, Annette Benning for Nyad, and Fantasia Barrino in The Color Purple. I mean... I don't even, uh, well, okay. So let me, let me ask you this. Would you ever be in support of the Academy adopting a floating nomination system like the Emmys, where the number of nominees is determined by the number of submissions? Like if there are a hundred submissions, there are five nominees, a hundred to 150, there would be seven and so on. Yeah, I, I think, um, I think yes, uh, and I say that with that tentativeness in my voice, because uh, obviously I know that there's been a lot of back and forth about best picture and is it five or is it 10. I think if they went in something more Emmys where it was more flexible and based on um, percentages of votes gotten or percentages of uh, uh, number of submissions, I think that that uh, would be a much better way to do it than just saying we're just deciding it's this number or it's this number because it can be very arbitrary. Um, and also some years there's many more female, uh, thankfully, I think over the, over the years, there's many more female roles that we start to talk about in contention than male roles. And sometimes it's vice versa. Um, and I think it would be, it'll be awkward the years that it's lopsided, but I think it's good to have the option open to honor more, um, more performances uh, if it is worthy, because sometimes, sometimes it's like, well, there's 10 best actresses that, that deserve a nomination. And there's really only like four, uh, best actors that are in contention. <laughs> right. That right. being said, that being said, do better, I, guys. No, I'm kidding. Even even <laughs> as I say that out loud, um, it is always nice to see who that fifth 
person is when we're like, okay, well, there's four people we know will be nominated. And then there's fifth that like, whoever that is, is probably not going to win. But it's nice to, for them to get a moment. I think that's when you get some of the surprise nominees that like it bolsters their career in a really great way. So, you know, it's not to say that a little bit of padding isn't nice and makes things exciting. Um, but at the same time, uh, uh, I don't want to pad too much. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. I mean, you know, you bring up the best picture category, which um, did the floating system for a while. And then uh, it was either this past year or two years ago, it switched to 10 for sure. Best picture nominees. Um, I mean, I'm just kind of thinking that there are actually more performances that could be submitted than movies, right? Because there are obviously many actors within a movie. So now I'm almost thinking like, maybe that should be the reverse picture. Let's go back to five. But the acting and the acting categories could be bigger anywhere from maybe like five to 10. Um, yeah. Just because there are so many more performances than there are actual films. I would fully support that. Let's start a petition. Just a thought. Okay, good. All right. All right. Let's do it. Um, by the way, one of those women I mentioned, um, Fantasia Barino, she got a huge boost this past week. Thanks to a, um, a big press and industry screening where the entire cast of the color purple plus producer Oprah Winfrey did a Q and a after you might've seen uh, that stuff all over social media. Uh, that screening went quite well. Uh, and if you judge by those social media reviews, um, the color purple is a true contender now to potentially win Best Picture. People saying it is the best movie musical they have seen in perhaps some uh, 15 years. Uh, that the, you know, the fact that the original Color Purple didn't win any, like this should be, you know, the way to kind of right the wrong of that. And not just for the sake of righting a wrong, but because it's also deserving. Um, and, and, you know, that this movie will uh, have a strong showing in acting categories. Um, Patrick, you and I, we saw this movie months ago uh so we were not at the one this past week but now is um i think our chance to share our thoughts on this new version of the color purple so i will let you start yeah um i have to say i was a little worried because i know spoiler alert jared and i both liked it we're horrible podcast co-hosts because we often have (laughs) the same opinion um but uh i will say that i spoke to um a film connoisseur whose opinion I do trust and really respect. And uh, he had attended a screening, uh, not as early as we did. Uh, full disclosure, we saw a very early cut of this movie. Um, and so we have not seen the uh, the final cut. Um, so there could have been changes made. Um, and it's not as though I thought that there was no notes to be given. I, you know, there's little things that I, I actually am hoping that they... Um, tweaks just very small things, you know, as simple as like, oh man, I wish that one shot had lasted two seconds longer and that uh, the next shot had been two seconds less sort of editing um, sort of stuff. Uh, but again, very early cut. As I know someone else that saw one maybe a month after us and their screening had a, a very large audience. Ours was a very small group of people. Um, and they felt that the reaction coming out of it actually wasn't that positive. So I've been so glad one to just know we were right. Um, and that the, and that most people that are seeing it are enjoying it. Uh, I wouldn't say right that we are, that we, I'm glad that people agree that it is uh, a good movie um, or at least that they're enjoying it. Um, and I was, cause I was worried. I was worried that, that maybe, you know, we just got wrapped up in, in our experience and that wouldn't be one that other people would have. I think the performances are incredible. Um, I think, I think um, Fantasia will definitely get nominated. 
my where where fear is not the right word but i think you could nominate basically anyone that has uh more than 10 lines in this movie they're all just so good and so i think where where you could get into a lot of debate is who among the cast are going to uh, actually get elevated to a nomination because i i could i I could list at least four people um, in the, in the supporting categories that deserve nominations. And I doubt that all four of them will get them. And that makes me sad. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it is a, it is a really uh, rousing film, Uh, which is why I think, uh, you know, these, these screenings now with a lot of people in them um, are, uh, you know, like that, that's the way to go to see it with a crowd full of people. Um, So yes, I agree with you. Fantasia. Let's, I mean, sure, let's talk about those supporting categories, because to me, it's Danielle Brooks's Oscar to lose at this point. I think Taraji P. Henson also stands a great shot at a nomination. And then Coleman Domingo um, is, oh, gosh, I mean, it's a it's a great performance. You don't love the character at all, but it is a great performance. And he's very likely uh, to be a, um, a double nominee for the color purple and lead for uh, Rustin. Um, so I think I would go with those four acting nominations. But like you said, there are some others that could um, squeak in. I mean, Corey Hawkins is also great um, and a really kind of unexpected performance from him. Yeah, I uh, agree. I mean, he continues every time he does something new and different. I'm just like, you are so incredibly versatile as an actor. Uh, I he boggles my mind what he's able to do. Um, and look, like I knew he could sing and dance from uh, in the Heights, but this was just right, at a whole right. other level of like the acting on top of all of that. I will say it's really interesting that you think it's Daniel Brooks's to lose because I think it's Davine Joy Randolph's from the Holdovers to lose. I mm. and I think partially because yeah. I will admit that I went into that movie not expecting to like it. Um and I think large I think in large part to her performance I loved it. Um and I just uh, her I will say also that I've seen it more recently so there may be some recency bias here but and and everyone will have the opposite um if they saw it as it's released in theaters um that Danielle will have the recency bias but I just she blew me away I've always thought she's very talented but she just she blew me away um and so I don't she's so she's my lead contender for for uh the win there and support yeah we'll see well and it's interesting because those are two such uh, so vastly different characters as well and performances because um Davine is so internalized and quiet and you just kind of feel all of the um all of the the grief and sorrow and guilt that she's feeling while you know Danielle just it's a powerhouse scene stealing performance um though though now I, don't I even will circle back to your argument um that Danielle also has those very quiet uh you know that's true too that's true reserved moments uh because the movie covers so much uh time uh so many years uh you get you get a little bit of both um from danielle which is not a spoiler uh for any of you that have read the book or seen the original film um but her character goes through a lot uh and yeah but that i mean you know it's it's a little early to tell but that that category is is also very packed 
Indeed. Um, and there are more kind of, you know, honors and awards being announced uh, by some of the various upcoming film festivals. Lauren Huff and I discussed uh, some of those last week um, in terms of Killers of the Flower Moon, Barbie, Robert Downey Jr., Ryan Gosling. But of the ones that have been announced in this past week, uh, let's see here at Palm Springs, we have Killian Murphy and Emma Stone. They're receiving the Desert Palm Achievement Actor and Actress Awards. Uh, Davine Joy Randolph is getting the Breakthrough Performance Award at Santa Barbara. Davine, along with Lily Gladstone, Greta Lee, and Charles Milton, are all receiving the Virtuoso Award. Um, there will be more of those announced. And also at Santa Barbara, Mark Ruffalo is getting the American Riviera Award. Um, so... So we're starting to hear, of course, some of the same names popping up over and over, which could be uh, quite telling for the way the rest of the season goes. But um, those are all very deserving performances. And um, folks who are members of voting bodies, I'm SAG, Patrick, your critic's choice, right? Um, I, I think everyone has a really tough job ahead of them uh, over the next um, couple weeks and months. Um, and lastly, well, almost lastly here, we're going to take a break here coming up pretty soon, but uh, I want to mention the Golden Globes uh, have a new home. After decades on NBC, the 2024 ceremony will air on CBS and Paramount+. Plus. Are you surprised by that? I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's always like a weird feeling that something like that you've grown up with for decades changes. Um, and it's, it's always just been so closely tied. And I think also, you know, doing what you and I do, Jared, when we, it's not just been dealing with um, the Golden Globes uh, and the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, or previously the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, um, over the years. So many changes going on over there. Um, it wasn't only dealing with them; it was dealing with every year. It was like the Globes meant dealing with the same NBC publicists that we've dealt with for years. Like that's where it's more weird to me. It's it's less weird to me like turning the TV on and it being on CBS versus NBC. Um, it's more weird for me just on our end of things, uh, the, the, like the back end logistics side of it. Uh, right. Yeah. Right, it'll right. be, it'll yeah. be, in, it'll be also interesting because yeah, I think we're going to get a lot of little changes, but as a whole, I assume it's going to feel kind of like the same show. So that'll also be weird. It'll be like 911 moving from yeah. Fox to ABC. <laughs> like, it'll be like, it'll be bizarro that like, yep. it's the same, but different. Um, Mm-hmm. though we'll see mm-hmm. they might because yeah, it's up. still dick clark productions so yeah yeah, yeah that's true uh cbs network execs might uh have some thoughts and notes on what they want to see um and now the last thing before we take a break uh it is now patrick your time to advocate for someone or a movie that you think should be getting more attention this award season who or what do you think ought to get a nod Oh, okay. So I'm going to disagree um with our beloved colleague maureen lee lenker um, who reviewed the killer for us. Um, and she did not necessarily love it. I loved this movie. Um, and it's everything that normally like on paper, I wouldn't other than the fact that it's Fincher and like, I love Mindhunter on Netflix. Um, his, uh, series on Netflix, go watch that. Um, it has all the Fincher things that I would love, but on otherwise it was like things that I wasn't necessarily like quote unquote excited to go into, but I think Michael Fassbender is incredible in this movie. Um, he has to do so much voiceover and so much um, silent acting because oftentimes he's either solitary um, or in a situation where he needs to be very quiet. Um, perhaps that's an, uh, a reference to the name of the movie. Um, and I just, <laughs> I just thought it was so well done every and every like, 
two-hander scene he has is just a masterclass in acting. He has Tilda Swinton in one scene. Um, there's an incredible action um, scene that he has between another him and another person that just goes on forever and ever and ever. Physically, and largely in the dark. Yes. A large part but of that scene. A, I will say oh, in the dark, but in a way that you see everything still. So like, it's not like the dark was a, was a way to like fake things out. Like you see it and it is him um, the entire time. I, anyway, I, I just, uh, if, if you are basing seeing that movie or not based on an EW review, uh, I, I always hate when Maureen and I disagree, but I would wholeheartedly disagree <laughs> with her. I think this movie is worth your time uh, and uh, perhaps worth a vote or two. Yeah, he's great in this. I will say I wanted more Tilda Swinton. Um, I mean, I appreciate I what mean, she was there for. That's always the case. <laughs> but I know. That's a great point, too. Yeah, I mean, I just want her in everything. Um, all right, so we are now officially going to take a quick break. But when we come back, past live star Greta Lee, the awardist, will be right back. Welcome back to The Awardist. Greta Lee's performance in Past Lives is uh, one of my absolute favorites this year for reasons that I stated a little earlier, but she just uh, delivers one of those kind of quiet, quietly demanding performances. She just demands your attention because you want to know everything that this character is thinking. And Greta Lee is a very efficient actor in those regards. She gives you everything that you want, but then she also uh, she also holds some things back. She's she's very good about uh, revealing things when she wants and needs to. It's a it's a really beautiful performance. And we talk about the entire thing, by the way, a role I was shocked to hear that she originally didn't get. So let's get into that right now. My interview with Past Alive star Greta Lee. Well, first of all, Greta Lee, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Awardist podcast. Thanks for having me. Very happy to have you uh, for, for multiple reasons. But uh, this movie, your performance, it's just so beautiful. I've seen it a couple times now, and it uh, it kind of gets me the same way every time. And I also like discovered new layers of it. Um, and so that's... Uh, you know, that's one of those beauties of, of rewatching something that you enjoyed because you can pick up new things each time. Um, but I got to say, I, how, many, how many times have you seen it? Uh, so it was uh, two, one, two, uh, technically two and a half because I started I started my second viewing of it. And then, um, you know, like the, the screeners that we get sent, it timed out before I could finish it. So they had to renew it. So I watched it two and a half times. Um, and so uh, I, I will watch the, the back half again a third time um okay but yeah it's just i love it so much um and, and i um it's funny as i was prepping for this interview i was struggling with figuring out like where do i start with you but i finally figured it out because i i really want to know like was this and it's really kind of starting in the beginning um did you audition for this were you approached for it because i'm really curious if you like had to fight off anyone to play nora moon oh yeah oh i mean it wasn't to be mine oh um no, not at all. Um, yeah, I I can tell you that I read, I first got the script just sort of in an email with a subject line um, from my agent, can you speak Korean? <laughs> and, uh, and what was the answer? <laughs> and the answer is, yeah, but it wasn't at that time anything I was considering in terms of, 
of acting. Mm-hmm. I, I just like, I love acting and it's hard enough to do in English. I wasn't really considering doing it in uh. another language. Like, and, um, and I, I just, it was just one of those things. And I opened up the script and I, with no context, I didn't, I didn't know who Celine was. Um, we both grew up and had our starts doing theater, but we never crossed paths. And I read this script in one sitting and was completely destroyed by this script. Out of, I mean, it felt like out of, out of, out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, uh, I think in, in reading it, it, it initially reminded me so, so much of the movies that first got me excited about acting in the first place. Um, and a kind of like, a movie that I was afraid wasn't going to be made anymore, mm-hmm. that kind of movie, mm-hmm. um, and not one involving someone like me. Um, you know, movies like Richard Linklater's movies mm-hmm. or Wong Kar Wai. Yeah. Um, but as I read, I think maybe similar to certain audience members, I I um, had certain expectations about what how it would unfold and became clear it's a love story and a love triangle, but what does that mean? And by the end, I was, I was just like totally bowled over by this person who had managed to write this ridiculously gorgeous script. And I thought, oh, man, someone's going to be really lucky to be able to do this. And, you know, good for them. Good for them. <laughs> Without a thought in your mind, you really thought there was no way I will get this. Yeah, no way. I think for someone like me, you get used to this idea that there are such limited opportunities. There just are. I mean, I and sometimes when there's a role like this, that is just just so undeniably um, the depth of it, um, getting to play in a much more naturalistic style is something I'd always wanted to do in a space that I would I'd always wanted to be a part of it. I just didn't. It's 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 kind of sad, but I almost sort of started to accept that that just wasn't something that I was that kind of career that I wouldn't get to have that. So this came along and I auditioned for it and I didn't get it. Oh, I oh. did not because initially and there's a funny an additional funny twist to this. I got a call around that time from an assistant asking to meet and it was really urgent. And I had assumed that it was about this movie for some reason because of the timing. And it was this this, this uh, voicemail that was left for me that, that was asking me to meet at Cafe Clooney in the West Village. Mm-hmm. It was like a very frantic message for Greta. You know, oh my gosh, are you confirmed or not? And then I realized that the message was for Greta Gerwig. Oh, no. Something totally different. And... But that's what I'm saying. Like, it could not be clearer. That was like some sign. It was like a sign from the universe. It was like getting punched by the universe in terms of it could not be clearer that wasn't my job. Like, it felt so hilarious and absurd that that could happen. Um, but this all, this is all to say that, like, yeah, me getting the job has this element of inyan to it, mm. which is apt for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because a year later, I got I got this call that was basically like they're recasting. Um, they they just have a different idea for the movie. And are you free essentially now to meet with the director? Wow! <laughs> I said, well, you know, fool me once. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I can do that. But we met and we read through some scenes. We read through the Skype scene, mm-hmm. the, the breakup scene between Nora and Hizong. 
Um, and we also read one of the bedroom scenes with Arthur. Yeah. And she was reading with me. It was just the two of us. And then we had this conversation about, I got to hear from her what her vision for the movie was. And we just talked. And at the end of it, she offered me the job. Mm. Mm. <laughs> wow. Just, I don't know. I don't know. It, it is still, I have all these pictures of me, these selfies that I took. Just because I needed some sort of like tangible like evidence that <laughs> that happened, my <laughs> agent's like, I think she just offered me the job. But I can you go find out if that's for real? Yeah, let's get that um, confirmation for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Inyan. We're definitely going to talk about that in a second. Um, but you, what you've been saying perfectly um, segues into another question I had here about like wondering how much of a believer you are in, you know, timing is everything and things happen when they're supposed to, because you, you've been acting for 17 years or so. Like, is this a role that you would have or could have tackled 10 years ago? No, mm. no. I do believe in timing. Um, I really feel, I mean, this, the playing Nora, it really was at the making of this movie and getting to play her. Like I can't really adequately express just like it, it is such an unspeakable honor. Um, and just one of the most special experiences professionally of my life. I mean, truly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it was definitely something that was done on the, on the wings of all of the other ladies that have gotten to play in the past years of um doing comedy and doing improv comedy um taught me so many things about pacing timing stamina Mm. um how to manage um physicality and and doing stage work doing theater you know slumming away Mm -hmm. on on the stage you know sometimes for no one um (laughs) All of those things really added up to I, this moment. It does. I can't help but feel like it is cosmic. Like it is. It does feel. All does feel like Inyan. Like I feel like I have Inyan with the script. Definitely have Inyan with Celine mm. and with Teo on collectively. Um, and it's just wild. Like the way we, the three of us, are so different, and we have had such completely different professional journeys. And, and live leading yeah. up to the two two years ago when we were filming, and then for the three of us to come together under the supreme leadership <laughs> of Celine, um, her first film, by the way, worth noting. Ridiculous, yeah, totally ridiculous. I'm deeply suspicious. I'm open. <laughs> Oh, I, I check her for zippers all the time. Like, if we could unzip her body, and like, I don't know, if somebody else comes out. I don't know who. But <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm like, I, I only know my own journey too. So I guess like, it's funny now at this point to hear from people like, Oh my God, like you really struggled. And like, like, man, like you, like, what's it like? Like, and for me, I just feel as actors, like you're, you're never entitled to anything, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. it is tough it's tough out there you have to really want it yeah and that's not to say being a woman and being a woman of color being an asian american actor that it there's certainly challenges and limitations limited opportunities 
because of the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. But I have really tried to, you know, make the best of it. And yeah. Well, uh, you certainly have with this role. I, w- I will say that much. Um, an interesting thing about Inyun, I, I did a quick search, a, a Google search. Um, there was a spike in search traffic for this term in January, which I suspect would have been around Sundance Film Festival. And then again in June into July, which is when the movie opened, and then the weeks after. And that to me is really kind of like one of those fascinating effects to see, like, it's it's one of those little bits that people took away and were like, wait, what is this? I need to know more about it. Is this something that's like been part of my life and I didn't even know it? Like, I, I just, I don't know. I thought that was an interesting little thing. Oh, that's so cool. I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, even for me, I think growing up, that was something that I'd heard a bunch, but it wasn't something that meant anything personal to me. It was like something like my relatives would talk about. Um, for me, even it, it wasn't until the movie that I, that I developed like a much more personal and intimate relationship with what Inyon is. And now like, I, I literally can, can't unsee Inyon. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. It's relentless. Actually, I could use Inyon break. You know? <laughs> a little, yeah. Le- well, I mean, you, she figured out one in the movie. You can perhaps figure out one in real life. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, here's something I found really fascinating. Here's a, you know, Nora is this, she's very driven and she is dedicated to her art and dedicated to, you know, making a name for herself. But of course, uh, curiosity and love and companionship um, are are very strong magnetic forces. Um, and what I think so many people who have seen the movie have found so interesting is that is that Nora makes a positively selfish decision twelve years prior um, and says this can't happen right now. I've got to focus on me, which is something you rarely see characters make that kind of decision because. In a lot of movies, that could have like stopped the story cold in its tracks, but but of course, there's there's so much more to it here. Was that at, at any point for you? You were like, wait, how are we going to progress from here? Uh, like, yeah, no, because I think from the beginning, that's what was really exciting to me about doing this. Um, this idea that you know that it's not even really about a woman who's defined by who she loves, right, or who has her back. It's more about her love of her own life. Um, I was, I, it, in a way, it's sort of like the greatest romance in this movie is not the one that she has with Hesong, nor is it with Arthur. It's the one that she has with her own life. Mm-hmm. And that to me, it just felt like just thinking about it, like just makes my, my skin tingle. But I just, yeah. I can really appreciate what that means as a modern woman, but just as modern people. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, our lives are, have never been more expansive. I, it is possible to have a relationship with someone across continents. We can, we can do that. Mm-hmm. We have the technology and the facility to do that. And yet we're still human beings living our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I could appreciate that the movie, it almost starts at that moment. Yeah. You know, when she says no, goodbye, that for me is the beginning. Mm -hmm. Do you think, I've wondered this every time watching it, that she actually had good intentions to reconnect sooner than later? Um, that's a good question. Um, 
I think in her mind, she probably was open to the possibility of it. Um, but that to me is more a matter of youth. Like what's it like to be a young person? And when, when your whole life is ahead of you, it like those kinds of, um, promises, maybe like they just, they, they hold differently in, in, in within you because you, you are, that does not seem like such a heavy load at, at that time. You know, you, because there's so much that's possible. It's like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's pick up where we left off in a year. Yeah. See that. But we as adults know the inherent kind of that, that touch of tragedy in that. Cause we know how, if you've lived a life, you know, actually what's likely Yeah. with time passing, with different people coming in your life and mm-hmm. different jobs you end up taking and different cities you end up moving to. There's so many different, I mean, it is, it's like an algorithm. Yeah. Um, so it's that innocence of like, yeah, I'll, I'll see you later. Mm-hmm. Which, and of course, yeah. to, to something you kind of touched on there, life had other plans for Nora because here she meets Arthur, played so wonderfully by John McGarrow. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, we, we see their, uh, you know, the, the beginning of their relationship, but then we jump ahead a bit. They're married. They've experienced life, uh, many years of life together. And then... Heysoon comes back into the picture. So here's what I'm wondering. Did Celine keep the two of you apart until that day in the park when he first comes to New York? Or did you get to meet and have rehearsals or anything like that? So she had asked that I keep the two guys separate from each other. Ah. So, yeah. So actually, the moment when they meet in the film, that's actually the moment that's actually when they were meeting in real life. In the apartment, I guess, would be when they meet the first time. Yeah. yeah. That actual take, and she ended up using the actual take. Wow. That <laughs> is when they, John and Teo, the actors, were actually meeting for the first time. Hmm. I, I, yeah, I love that. I love that that's what's in the movie. Because our preparation for this involved my creating a completely distinct and separate world mm-hmm. with each of them. I mean, I, I had to do that free of the other one. Um, and we would do all sorts of things. Like Celine would ask me to talk about the each of the guys to the other guy. So that the only thing that they would know about each other was through me. Like I would be the conduit. It's kind of like I've I've heard so much about you when that's really true. They've they've heard so much about each other, but never <laughs> experienced yeah, each other. And it, was, it was, you know, slightly sadistic on Celine's <laughs> end, but I, I mean, I I can't pretend that I didn't also like somewhat enjoy myself because mm-hmm. I would, you know, I would go over and I I was asked to do this in my defense, but mm-hmm. I would do some days of rehearsal with um, Tao and. And John would ask, you know, how's it going? And I'd say, you know, wow, tell, tell you. What an incredible performer. Like, what instincts. Like, my God. And mm-hmm. then the same thing for John. And John would ask, like, okay, okay, yeah, okay. So he's really handsome. But, like, you know, yeah. Wait, but was he funnier than me? <laughs> and, 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 and Tao asking about John. Likewise, you know, just, like, how good of an actor is he? And it just... I mean, it was great. And then that day um, ended with us, you know, going back to the trailers after they finally met yeah. and you know, 
we had, I think we had some beers and made it official, but yeah. That's, that's really cool. The other piece of this was, um, Teo and I, um, we weren't allowed to make any physical contact up until the scene where we're reunited in, uh, New York. Mm -hmm. The hug. Um, The hug. Yeah. And and that's, weren't, weren't able to because of COVID restrictions. No. No. Because Celine was interested in this idea of just not letting us touch. Oh. You know, it sounds almost more explicit than what it really is, but just not, no, and no kind of like, handshake or like pats on the back, just nothing physical um, up until that day. Um, And we looked at all kinds of things to get ready for that day um, in terms of physicality. It's really about the physicality of falling in love. Well, and and knowing that though, thinking about the, um, the, I'm going to use the word force, the force of Nora's hug um, there's such yeah. a tight embrace and it said so much, but now knowing that there are so many more layers to that, uh, it kind of, uh, honestly, I, I just got teary eyed a bit because it, oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, we, we, um, we watched, um, the Marina Abramovic, the artist is present, mm-hmm. uh, video, the performance art piece where she, you know, she's like sitting at a table and she invites various people to sit across from her one by one. And then really unexpectedly her ex lover love shows up and we watched that. And, um, the facially, what that experience is, we watched Korean dating shows (laughs) like Miss connection dating shows. And it's so fascinating because the, we have this idea in our heads that the act of falling in love is like this beautiful, gorgeous thing, but it's actually incredibly humiliating. Mm. <laughs> it's such an exposing, it's possibly the most vulnerable yeah. experience your body can undergo physiologically. And so we would watch these, um, I remember I was watching this, this Korean dating show where childhood sweethearts were reconnected, much like the movie. Mm-hmm. And the woman in a 10 second track, I would freeze at pause. And, and if you followed each of the freeze frames, it was t- 10 different emotions. I mean, the initial, the shock, horror, grief, elation, mm. ecstasy, and like embarrassment. It, yeah. it is so fascinating. So anyways, we, we had that in the back of our minds that day. And, um, yeah, hopefully it amounted to a, a pretty nice hug, I guess. <laughs> it did. It did, indeed. Um, I, one of the truly uh, kind of delicious scenes here is, is when the three of you are at the bar uh, drinking and, and talking until very early in the morning. There's so many uh, layers there of, of emotions between the two of you as you kind of play out, um, as you kind of discuss various what-ifs, I suppose, uh, is the right way of putting that, um, you know, a different time, a different place, how, you know, what would things have been like? Um, and all the while Arthur is right there and he, he knows every word that's being said. Um, it's, it's, were, were all of those words on the page? Did you guys have a chance to just kind of let it, let the scene take you where it took you? Those, those were Celine's words. She is incredibly decisive about the words and, and I, understand why they're beautiful poetic words um we that scene was shot over two days um 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> that the whole process really was, it felt like a play. Um, but then those two days, especially at Holiday Cocktail Lounge, um, if anyone knows of it in um, these Village, I mean, that really started to feel like we had been transported through some sort of like hologram into like a different time and space. Yeah. And we actually started to feel a little bit, I yeah, um, it started to feel like science fiction after so many hours in that space doing doing that scene. But it's uh, it's it's so important and it plays so well. I've got to know um, the the well, nearly the final shot. Uh, but the the big the big scene when Hesung um, leaves. Um, was it in the script, like how far Nora would walk, or, or was that kind of just like circumstance of of where cameras were able to set up and everything? Because I find that walk so that that long walk is just so I, I don't know if agonizing is the right word, but emotionally agonizing as you're watching. Like, how is she going to react? What is about to happen? Yeah, um, I wish I had my. The, the script in front of me because it the way that it, it was written it was incredibly um um she was decisive in terms of the amount of time mm. all of those things would take um oh gosh i don't want to butcher this but the way she described the amount of time for instance uh it would take for them to stand with each other uh uber arrives in the script, it said it, it said that it should feel both like an eternity mm-hmm. and also like a blink of an eye. No, yeah, it should have that sense of like this is torture. It is going on forever, and then also before you know it, it's over, which is like sort of an essence of life. Like it, it's like this. That's the quality of of living that we are after and shooting that. You know. We didn't know, Teo and I didn't know when the Uber was actually coming. And the way that last scene was shot was a single tracking shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were shooting on a 35 millimeter, which is just such a cool experience. Um, and also a lot of pressure <laughs> for this movie. We really did not have a lot of takes. Mm-hmm. And that sense of urgency when you have, you know, yeah. when you're thinking like, okay, this I, this reel is, is 11 minutes. Here we go. But we shot it in one tracking shot from the brownstone with Nora saying goodbye to Hezong, uh, to Arthur and walking with Hezong and saying goodbye to Hezong with the Uber arriving and then Nora walking alone and starting to cry and reuniting with her husband. And we did that. Yeah, it was a tracking shot. And I just... The that was one of the hardest days. Mm. Um, I it the process of doing it, I will never forget, and it, it will go down in the books for me. One of the most, I mean, truly special things I've gotten to do. But you know, practically speaking, it's East Village in the middle of the night. <laughs> I mean, we like cross control, yeah. and I we knew we really did feel like bungee jumping. Like we mm. we knew, you know, where. We what marks we were supposed to hit roughly. We were given roughly an idea of like, and then you walk together and you stand right there, and maybe at some point you turn towards each other, um, and then a car is going to come, and that's it. Mm. 
that's it. And and having to land, you know, certain emotional beats mm-hmm. and, and also not know exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time, John, amazing John, the first time, because that's not really something you can rehearse. You mm-hmm. can't really rehearse that um, emotional, that where she lands emotionally at the end. And I remember the first time he saw it was during the take and the look on his face. It, it, I was almost worried that, you know, I had all these thoughts like, Oh my gosh, is this the wrong impulse? Like, are we, are we off base here? Because mm. the look, because of the look on his face. Mm. And I thought, Oh, is this too much? Like, did we, do we miss the target somehow? And I just, it, it, you know, and then luckily, no, we, I mean, he's so incredible. We had so much trust and uh, we, I think he, he said, not that his, I feel like Arthur, I, I, um, I'm just like, I, I, I'm very hit struck mm. by what receiving right now. And yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, and it, it obviously translated to the screen so beautifully and, you know, there's, um, uh, you know, also playing into the fact that, there's there's been this conversation about how often Nora does or doesn't cry. And then here she is yeah. in this moment, you know, she has, says she hasn't cried in a very long time. Um, and now mm-hmm. uh, I, it's just, uh, <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm going to get emotional again thinking about, it, but it's just so beautiful. Um, and you know, the thing that's also really special about this story is that while yes, it is very much rooted in an immigrant story and culture and, and how distance plays, uh, you know, a specific role in their friendship. A lot of viewers can relate to this in some way. Um, have you been on the receiving end of, of, you know, social media messages or whatever it might be from audience members relaying their own stories? I'm not on social media, but I can tell you in person, IRL, the kinds of experiences I've had, people coming up to me and saying that they've just seen the movie, all kinds of people. I mean, young people, old people, I've heard uh, about a lot of long walks mm. um, in couples after seeing the movie, um, couples who have been married for a long time, mm. sort of reflecting and reassessing different things about their lives, um, people who are dating, people, I mean, it, the, the, the <laughs> there are all sorts of experiences, and that's what I love so yeah. much. It, it, People get can get something so different out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, because they're also the the people who come up to me and say, you know, you inspired me to um, break up with my my boyfriend. And <laughs> oh, <my> wow! <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I I guess I'm here for it all. You know, uh, good luck, good luck to everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that is one reaction I did not expect. But uh, if that's the takeaway, hey, that's 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 a great takeaway as well. Uh, it, it's eye opening in a lot of ways, and it's just uh, beautiful is a word I can kind of can't stop using. But it's just a, a, a movie that I hope everyone sees because it's it's really special, and and I think what you do is just phenomenal. I know there's kind of an ongoing thing about um, uh, Nora, you know, what award she wants to win, and and I hope you win all of the awards for this because you're just you're just fantastic. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, for being here on the awardist. And uh, I I hope and think we will see you over the next couple months. Okay. thank you. Well, um, 
if I didn't already love Greta Lee, um, she has like shot to the top of my list of favorite people to talk to. She's just so cool and and um, just really giving uh, in terms of, you know, interviews like this and, and really talking about her experience. I was shocked, by the way, that she... Uh, what what she revealed there about the the guys the first time that the characters meet each other is also the first time that the actors tou and john magaro met each other which is it's so fascinating how it's shot because you see john in the foreground and them walk in a door behind and he just kind of sits there like all right i guess i will go meet this guy now and that's kind of how he was feeling in real life as well um I just think it was such a smart choice by Celine Song, who it's her first uh, feature and I think uh, and hope the first of many fantastic ones. Yeah, it's no surprise to me that although this is Celine Song's first feature, um, that she has an extensive theater background because I I find that a a lot of that is obviously when you're doing a stage production, by the time you're seeing it, the actors have not only met but gone through the exact same motions dozens, if not hundreds of times. But you always try to find a way to uh have that moment exist at least one time while you're doing it and i think that that was fantastic that she did that for her and i'm also just you know uh you know prior to this greta lee uh while she's done a ton was always sweet birthday baby girl to me because that is the line that she would say time and time (laughs) again in russian doll like over and over and over again and it's just really exciting to see um her get to continue to show new sides of herself uh, and and uh, not just on screen, but as you pointed out, like uh, I think a lot of people are going to be introduced to her as a as a person off screen for the first time during this award season. Um, and I think that that's a fantastic thing because uh, she's she's someone people should know a lot more about. Could not agree more. Um, folks, if you have not seen the movie yet, Past Lives is available to rent or buy on digital platforms. If you're a, a member of a voting body or a guild member, I'm sure you're going to be getting those uh, screeners, you know, to, to stream at home or whatnot. So be it on the lookout for those. came in my mailbox like two days ago. There you go. Exactly. Well, uh, I, I hope you will be uh, watching that one uh, this weekend as well. Um, well, that um, with all of that, we covered a lot this week, Patrick. But that is it for this episode of The Awardist. Thanks for being here. Always and forever. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, And thanks so much to all of you for listening. If you like what you're hearing here on The Awardist, follow, rate the podcast, and leave us an award-winning review on Apple Podcasts. And to keep the conversation with us going, you can follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials. We are at EW on X, formerly known as Twitter, and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag me at Jared Hall. We will see you back here next week and every day at EW.com. Hope all of you have a safe and happy Thanksgiving weekend. Patrick, enjoy all that food. This episode of The Awardist is hosted and produced by Jared Hall and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>